Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Good morning and welcome to Morning Java, brought to you as always by Get-Go Cafe and Market, where Tom, they give you all the food options right now, and I hear that in just a couple weeks, the Pilgrim, their Thanksgiving Day sandwich, is coming back. I can't wait. That's my favorite sandwich that Get-Go always brings. Oh my goodness, you are, you are excited about this, and, and well should be. We, I, we always go to Get-Go, so we have them in Columbus, we love them. Same here. I'm Chris Carter. He's Tom Reed. We're talking football now. Tom, Ben Roethlisberger spoke yesterday, as he always does on Wednesdays now, and he talked about how the offense knows they have to pick it up sooner rather than later, but they're figuring things out. You know, the Steelers' offense, they put up, you know, 20, they put up, well, 24 points. The defense got added a safety on top of it on Sunday, and it was good enough to win. But do you see this as a, as a chance for, especially against the Texans, that this is a chance where they really need to turn out a better offensive performance and show, hey, we're putting these building blocks together. Uh, you know what? I, I, I've always, I'm always a big fan of, um, you know, Mike Pettin and a lot of other coaches call it a pass-fail league. They've passed twice. They're 2-0. Uh, you can, in some ways now, especially being 2-0, you can say those were our preseason games, right? Uh, you have a quarterback coming back who hadn't played. Uh, he's still getting used to some of these young wide receivers. Uh, so I'm, I'm not someone that's a, uh, sounding alarm bells yet. I think the, the thing that bothered that was worrisome from the performance the other day was just the turnovers that made it probably a closer game than it needed to be. Uh, but I think so far, so good. And, and again, if, if we're still talking about some of the same things in week six and seven, then that's a different story. But right now, I don't think it's any time to overreact. And I, I, I'm going to give Ben Roethlisberger the benefit uh, of the doubt and the offense, the benefit of the doubt right now. I agree with that sentiment because also you got to consider that maybe the best player at their position on the offense is David DeCastro, and he hasn't even sniffed the field until yesterday when he finally got to his first practice since the season began. So with that, and then again, a third string, fourth round draft pick rookie at guard who actually played well against the Broncos, but you having to plan around all of that. And this week will be the third straight week where they've had a different offensive line. Uh, I think all of that plays into the lack of continuity in what the, what the Steelers offense has brought so far. And that's why we haven't seen them click on all cylinders yet. But like you said, they got time. They didn't have a preseason. This is the preseason. And Hey, when you're not playing your best football and you still are undefeated, that's a good sign for you moving forward. Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously, to, to, to be devil's advocate just for a minute, uh, this has been a, a fairly uh, – they've not played the Ravens or the Chiefs or, or, or the top-tier teams yet, but that's okay. I mean, they, 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 they all count, right? I mean, there's – these games all count, and uh, the, the, you want to get that offense kind of into higher gear when you start to get into the, into the division and against better opponents. So there's time. Yeah, absolutely. And something I've said on the DK Steelers podcast is that when you look 
at how, like in previous years, nobody cares on how you won those early games in the season, just that you won because that adds to your record to get you to the playoffs. In 2008, the last time the Steelers won the Super Bowl, week two, they, they barely beat the Browns 10 to six. That was a performance that if you look back at that, you think, oh, wow, there's no way that team should go to the Super Bowl and win it and have one of the greatest Super Bowl plays of all time. But they did. It doesn't matter how you play early. It just matters that you win, that you're winning to get yourself in a position so that when the end of the season comes, you're able to play your best football, get to the playoffs, and show what your best football looked like against the better teams in the NFL. Yeah, and let's not forget there's an extra wild card this year too, right? Mm-hmm. Seven teams per conference. And the Steelers, if you go back to their history, the last time that they would have missed it if that playoff format was used was 2003 before Ben Roethlisberger was even on the team. Yeah, just get in. I've always been, especially in football, I'm a proponent of just getting in. We've seen the Steelers in the past, and not, not that the past has anything to do with this team, but we've seen it in, with other teams. Just get in the playoffs. It's not like you're going to have to play. It's not like the Stanley Cup playoffs where you've got to win, what, 16 games. You've just got to win like two or three games to get to the Super Bowl. So uh, just get in the playoffs and see what happens. Okay, Tom, so summer news here from the NFL, but felt like it was important to talk about Gail Sayers, the former superstar running back for and kick returner for the Chicago Bears, passed away yesterday at the age of 77. They said he was battling dementia. But, Tom, I wanted to talk to you. You've, been, you've covered football for a very long time. Just I wanted to get some of your reflections on what Gail Sayers meant to the game, both as a player and then also, you know, since his retirement. Because there's been movies about him and there's been stories about just his career and what that meant to the NFL. Yeah, you know, you look at his career and it wasn't a long one. He's, he's, he's in some ways, uh, you know, coming from a hockey background, a guy like Bobby Orr, who's, who really didn't have a very long career because the injuries cut it short. And Sarah's was the same way. Great player, just incredible player. And you always wonder if he had been able to play, you know, a few more years of where his numbers would have ranked all time. Uh, just in a, just the word that always comes to mind, and I'm sure others that watched him play, it's just electrifying. You know, he just needed a sliver, and he was going to get through uh, the, these holes, and he was just wonderful to watch. Uh, you know, you think of some other guys we think of in their careers. Billy Sims, mm. uh, a guy whose career was, I think, kind of cut short that never really quite – I mean, he, obviously, again, Sayers was able to make it to the Pro Football of Fame, but – it's always one of those things you just wonder if, if he could have played a little bit longer and, you know, if he could have been surrounded by a better team. I mean, they, you know, kind of toward the end of Gale's career, I don't think that they were uh, NFL championship contenders. I'm trying to think the years that uh, this is a long time back. But, right. I think it was uh, mid-60s. It was like, it was like 65 to like 1970, 71, whereas like his last years with the Bears, I believe. Yeah, and I don't think they were NFL champions in any of those years. Again, I'm that's testing my memory, but I don't think they were. But still, does not take away from his greatness. Again, it's just one of the most electrifying players uh, to ever play the game, both as a running back and, and as you mentioned, as a kick returner. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that even with that short career, he's still the youngest player in NFL history to ever be uh, granted, you know, into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He was brought in at the age of 34. And I know that part of that's because he retired so so early after his after his second major knee injury. But still, that just shows the amount of respect that they had for him. Also, I mean, the impact of the made for TV movie, where you know, Brian, uh, Brian's song 
where him and Brian Piccolo, it was about their relationship. And, you know, during the 60s, a, t a time where civil rights was a huge conversation point across the country, there was changes being made. There were pressures on, on the Bears about who they played because they had the black running back and the white running back and the challenges and the way they boast each other. I think there's a lot that you can look back at and appreciate from what Gale did on and off the field. Yeah, he, he, you know, in some ways he lived his life the way he played football. He was graceful. He was a graceful, graceful person off the field. I don't know about you, Chris, but I've never made it through Brian's song without crying. Uh, I can remember watching it the first time as a kid and I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm just young and emotional. And then I watched it in my 30s and I cried in the 30s. And I think I've seen it since then and I've cried watching it. Uh, it was such a, a great movie. And it was, it was interesting today to see uh, James Caan, who played Brian Piccolo in the movie. Uh, we had a wonderful tweet about Brian Sayers, uh, Gail Sayers and his legacy. So, uh, again, just a great ambassador for the game and really a great ambassador for life. So we're switching things up here. I'm going to be on Talking with Tom about hockey because the Penguins may or maybe not have a trade right now to send Patrick Hornquist to the Florida Panthers, Panthers for defenseman Mike Matheson. Tom, what's your readout on how this is? Because the first it was announced that it was, that it was announced that maybe it's not. They don't know where Patrick Hornquist is. What's going on, man? Yeah, so, so we'll, we'll let people here on the inside secret. You and I aren't doing this at 6 in the morning. <laughs> on Thursday, uh, as as we record this, I, I don't know if it's still the deal's final. They're they're trying to they're trying to figure out some stuff. It may involve uh, Hornquist and his knowledge, and he has a full no, no trade clause, and whether he's going to agree to this deal or not. So we're not sure. I think it's an interesting move. I think um, when you look at there, there's been so much blame uh, for the organization's shortfalls the last couple years, uh, early playoff exits. And there's so much talk about the third pair defensing and that stuff. But I think this is a deal that kind of starts to cut to the core of the team. I mean, Hornquist will, should never have to buy another drink in Pittsburgh mm -hmm. for his contributions yes. uh, to, to two Stanley Cups and just a tremendous player in front of the net. Uh, just reminds you a lot of Thomas Holmstrom and those great teams of the Red Wings. He was that type of gritty player that would just sacrifice his body. But at the same time, He's getting up in years, and, and, and when you're talking about a team that's trying to, to stay relevant and stay in the title hunt, uh, you know, in transition on the fly, sometimes you have to make these type of deals. Now, I don't think Mike, I don't think Mike Matheson necessarily is, is, is like the most exciting de defenseman coming back. He can fly. He's a, he, he can move. But, you know, his career has been okay. I think this is more in some ways – you know, getting um, Hornquist, you know, he, I think he's making $5 million or something in that, in that range. Maybe to, to save a little bit of money, we, we know that, that, that Jimmy Rutherford is trying to, to gather money as much as he can for potential deals down the road. I think this trade, as much as anything, might set up something down the road. And it's also giving a, maybe a younger player a chance to get uh, more minutes or move up higher in the lineup. So I think this is one we're going to have to kind of wait and see uh, what the ne where the sh next shoe drops? This is, this makes more sense, but I'm okay with it. I, I think again, I think Hornquist. You, you can't say enough about what he did for the Penguins, but as we both know, uh, you know, Father Time is undefeated, right? And you know, he has the he's a 34 year old guy whose body is about a 45 year old guy with just how hard he played the game, and uh, you know, best of luck to him 
in Florida. Again, if the deal goes through, maybe he'll, he'll still be here. But I, I do see the rationale in, in what they're trying to do as far as to save some money and maybe get younger at the same time. No, it makes a lot of sense. And again, like you said, I mean, he was a fan favorite. That was one of the that's one of the Penguins' names. Oh, that there's always no heard. question. Yeah. I mean, people people were like, Horny, let's go. And I, I just remember seeing so I, I saw so many Hornquist jerseys walking around, you know, downtown Pittsburgh before a game over the past few years. Uh, I mean, and when you're part of any championship run, you're special. But when you're part of back-to-back championship runs, you you that like you said, that guy don't have to buy a drink. He can go to Mike's beer bar right now and get himself <laughs> any any I, beer he wants. And well done. Well done down. getting sponsorship and partnership stuff in. You get some extra money in your next paycheck for that but but there, there's no question and it's you know the fans love the guy and this is this is where the decisions become very hard right because you're starting to again you're starting to cut into the core a little bit it, mm-hmm. it's kind of it's kind of like the trade a couple of years ago with phil kessel i mean mm-hmm. kessel was such a big part of that he was a fan favorite and these are hard decisions but but sometimes these are decisions that have to be made when you're trying to extend your window and at the same time understand that some of these players are starting to get a little bit older. And Sidney Crosby, there's no question at age 33, can still play the game at a high level. Same with Malkin. Uh, but, 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 but at some point, you've got to make hard decisions somewhere on the older players in the roster. And this looks like a decision, at least <laughs> as of time of recording, is one that Jim Rutherford decided he was going to have to make. Thank <laughs> you.